0: another big week in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. This is the Bills Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now, here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Bills Wire editor, Nick Woten.
1: All right, Nick, on an extremely rare Tuesday night game, the Bills got trucked literally by Derrick Henry, right? 42-16 blowout loss to Tennessee, a team whose schedule was kind of ravaged by positive COVID tests, given what the Titans were dealing with, missing all those practices and whatnot. Not a great night on a national TV spot for the Bills, was it?
2: No, no, certainly was not, Ryan. Um, thankfully, they have in a very in a very short time have some more primetime games to, to give people another look at the team that we saw the first 4 weeks of the season cuz that I can assure anyone who's not a full-time Bills fan listening to this was not the team that we saw the last 4 games or first 4 games pardon
1: nope no it wasn't unfortunately so uh as you wrote is it fair to put this one on McDermott and the coaching staff it just you, you wrote that they didn't seem to have it from the get right and I I'm not going to blame the first interception on Josh Allen but that was a killer the first play it's going the other way for the Titans and the Titans kind of rolled from there
2: um, it, yeah, that's the thing. I definitely made mention of it last night, but I'd probably say it's, you know, it, between those two things, I think it's fair to say maybe 50-50. Uh, as you mentioned there, Ryan, I don't think the Bills look prepared at all to play. You know, they're not going to take any excuses because that's just, you know, what football is, uh, football jargon. You know, they're going to move on. We're not going to use any excuses. Yeah, I guess this this game was different than all the other ones uh, on the field. And of course, COVID made everything different in the grand scheme of things for this one. It's like on Tuesday, the Bills, they got, they got punched right in the face in the beginning. Of this game, and you know, hey, when you get punched in the face, you're gonna respond. They did respond a little bit, but the defense never really responded either. Uh, the offense kind of made it close early, then they kind of get going. The coaching staff just kind of didn't seem to rally the troops that they had in front of them. Uh, and the other half of it, as you mentioned, uh, there, Ryan, there you don't have Trey White, uh, you don't have John Brown on offense, uh, that's your number one cornerback and number one wide receiver from last year, John Brown. Of course, we have Stefan now, but on top of that, uh, Matt Milano, uh, it, one of the best. Coverage linebackers on tight ends in the NFL was out. Uh, he's been missing way too much playing time, unfortunately. Uh, hasn't He's only played 16 games since in his rookie season he hasn't at all since um, so that's a problem uh, and just over the middle of the field in general like guess the Bills look so suspect there between Taron Johnson's not looking great, Jermaine Edmonds is the middle linebacker not looking great at times uh, and Matt Milano not being there just super does not help because uh, Johnny Smith two TDs need to be saying more there What were your thoughts
1: Nick on the Titans using COVID as motivation and all the hate they were getting uh, for their handling of COVID as like their motivation to beat the Bills and, and kind of demolish the Bills on Tuesday night I Should the Titans be the ones to blame? for the COVID situation over there?
2: Yeah, I actually, Ryan, I think, uh, I know we follow each other on Twitter here. Um, I'm going through my, yeah, that, what's still up. Um, you guys <laughs> yeah, didn't see it. Was, uh, I quote tweeted in the middle of the night. I said, quote tweeting this, so it can be a quote deleted tweet by the morning because the Titans said, hey, everyone hates us. And Taylor Lewin, who's of course, never said anything controversial in his life, right? Um, <laughs> kind of just make the dumbest statement with what one can make. And I, I don't know how else to sum it up other than just saying it was dumb that, adversity against you guys and everyone counted us out and well, what are you talking about, man? That's so short sighted. I mean, you guys broke protocol. I can understand uh from a fan's perspective, you know, with the schedule changing and stuff, uh, Ryan, they'll kinda take offense to that. But really the the big thing here is the NFL really hasn't come down in the Titans at all for having these illegal practices, right? I mean, I guess their excuse was we thought from the league that we just weren't allowed to have our practices at the team facility we could do them outdoor to local high school like come on man you just, know that they knew that that wasn't what they were told just and play dumb it, that's what it, i do it, a lot just play dumb it, that's all they did they played dumb and now they're trying to you know get away with it and the bills had injuries and i don't think that uh the, the whole covid uh changing the game to tuesday played as big as part as maybe some people think in terms of the bills playing like you know hot garbage, but. uh I mean, to try to use that as motivation. I guess you got to use whatever you can, and I think it's kind of kind. I always get kind of uh, you know, I think it's a little corny when the bells do the whole underdog thing. I mean, you guys are four and one now. You guys aren't underdogs anymore. Right. So uh, yeah, but doing this, I mean, this was what can you say other than it's a head scratcher? I can't believe they didn't delete this tweet. It's still up
1: <laughs> on Wednesday morning. It <laughs> is, is a little surprising, no doubt, and I think. Josh Norman, he should get some Uggs from Tom Brady or something. He should get a present from Tom because Tom Brady's Twitter meme flashing the four fingers after forgetting how many downs there were on thursday night last week that's now being trumped by norman getting tossed away like a tackling dummy by derrick henry right anyway what i mean i know that play was not that didn't even happen in the box score because of offsetting penalties but boy it happened for josh norman and he didn't have a great game
2: uh it was it was almost the way i kind of explained it uh post game was it uh, last week josh Norman's. Fumble, of course, fumble recovery. Great play He earned the the coveted Bills Wire Player of the Game nominee for that one. Um, but that play sort of uh, covered the cracks quite a bit for uh, Josh Norman last week. Uh, he returned off IR from his hamstring injury after missing the first three games. But he didn't start. Levi Wallace actually started that game. He suffered an ankle injury five, six snaps into the game. So it kind of seemed like Norman played the entire game his first game back, right? Now this week, uh, the big highlight wasn't him covering his own cracks. It was yikes that was that was you know you see guys get posterized in basketball you, you see i don't even know how to sum that up <laughs> it was pretty brutal it was a like, he got thrown right away i don't know why he was trying to like arm tackle derrick henry i mean i didn't want to say too much about it but it, it honestly looked like if, if someone was like well you go try and tackle a Derek Henry. I'd say, okay, I will do that because it would look very similar. Yeah, to the way it, that Yeah, it Josh looked like Harvey you were me. That, that's
1: what it was. It looked like you were me trying to tackle Derek Henry.
2: Yeah, it, I, Ryan, I'll agree with that. It went about the exact same way that that would, that would turn out.
1: <laughs> All right, coming up next, Josh Allen talks about his performance and the performance of the Bills, and, and Nick and I will talk about his performance. We'll be right back.
3: Fantasy football is about proving that you are better
0: than your friends sit up the start them. these are the fantasy picks of the week it will kill me if this game ends at a tie i need this win this game's pretty much done with Corey bonini from the huddle.com
4: cory bonini with the huddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week six Miami Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick has staved off Tua Tonga-Vailoa for now. Two quarterbacks have posted at least 32 fantasy points in five games against the Jets. And the other three quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Philip Rivers, Brett Rippin. Not exactly elite company. If wide receiver Preston Williams continues to come to life like we saw signs of last week, Fitz could be in for a huge fantasy day. Arizona Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds, not Kenyon Drake, has been the more productive back this year in PPR scoring. Drake may have scored on the ground last week, but he has struggled to generate yardage per touch and he's living off an extremely small sample size of productive play from last season. Not only has Edmonds been more productive on the ground, he's simply more useful in the passing game. Look for him to exploit a weak Dallas defense. Cincinnati Bengals rookie receiver T. Higgins should see an uptick in his work if A.J. Green's hamstring prevents him from playing. Look for the rookie to continue his nice rapport with quarterback Joe Burrow. The Indianapolis defense may appear to be a poor matchup on the surface, but a closer examination reveals six different receivers have scored a touchdown and eight players at the position have gone for at least 10 PPR points. Higgins offers major upside in the red zone. If you're looking to take a gamble at tight end with four teams on their buys, the Atlanta Falcons present a brilliant matchup for Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings. It was actually tight end Herb Smith Jr. and not Rudolph who led the way last week, but the veteran tight end is a better bet for a touchdown in the red zone. No team has given up more touchdowns to the tight end position through five weeks than the Atlanta defense. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com.
5: Um, I mean, I think it comes out, and uh, we got punched in the mouth early on, and um, I can't do that to our defense, put them in vulnerable situations, and allow their offense to have short fields. You um, know, did it twice tonight, and you um, know, I take that heavily upon myself. So we got to come out, we got we got to be, you know, faster, um, faster starters in the game, and understand that. Uh, we can't do that, you know, throwing that interception there. And um, even the one down in the second half, uh, you know, I got a little greedy on that one and made bad decision, bad ball. Um, and I didn't feel like I got fooled too many times tonight, but but um, it is what it is, you know. We're, we're not going to let this one to define us. We understand, you know, nothing. You can't win them all. So, uh, but again, it, we got to be better disciplined Um you know, turnovers, um, decision-making on my part, penalties, costly penalties, um, drops early on. we, we got to be better, and, um, you know, it starts starts with me. So, um, again, we'll, we'll learn from this one. We're not going to make it a bigger deal than what it needs to be. Uh, we, we got a short week ahead of us, and we got to learn from this one and, and kind of forget about it as quickly as we can.
1: As you said, Nick, Josh Allen and the Bills saying that some of the right things. I like that Josh Allen shouldered some of the blame afterwards. But, uh, you know, I, I've been seeing this stacked pop up all over the place, this turnover-worthy pass plays stat, right? Like, I'd be interesting to see how many of Josh Allen has because, man, he throws in the coverage a lot. He's a great player. He's progressed a ton, but he talked about his own decision-making there, and it is a little suspect, right? That can be something we can be critical on with Josh Allen. Uh, What's your take on that?
2: Yeah, no, I think that's uh, really the nail on the head there, Ryan. He seemed upon first glance that, yeah, Allen was doing that a little bit more than he was usually uh, over the first four games. But to your point, he was still doing that. And it's almost kind of like the the Josh Norman thing we were talking about, right? It was kind of, you know, the the paper covering some cracks. Um, Allen certainly was not playing perfect over the first four games. I mean, it seemed like he was doing amazing, and he was doing amazing, but um, still a couple turnover-worthy plays, a couple drop picks. And I think the one thing that kind of helps them out in that aspect quite a bit sometimes is uh you look at the two picks that happened last night well one was a tip pass floated right up into malcolm butler's hands uh probably the biggest interception of his career right um <laughs>
1: not quite not quite
2: um, but uh yeah but um and then the other one was kind of another one where it seemed like i think it was gabe davis was the intended receiver it was kind of off target and it was, looked like it just went right into the hands of Butler again. Um, so I guess is what I'm getting. at, I think sometimes the thing that saves Allen from some interceptions is he puts so much zip on the ball that when a guy doesn't get a good look at it, maybe that's the case and that the defenders aren't ready for it at times. But uh, of course, um, it's it wasn't it still hasn't been as bad. I don't I don't think people should super overreact because the Bills when they're going to all those Super Bowls, they didn't they never went undefeated. Uh, the Patriots almost went undefeated all the way to the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and even they didn't do it. They lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Uh, Teams are never perfect, and there's so much uh, coaching that goes into football. There's so many variables that go into football. I mean, when you're playing a game when there's 11 different guys in the field, maybe Josh Allen put that pass right. I don't pretend to be an All-22 expert. Maybe he put that pass to Gabe Davis exactly where it was supposed to be, and he was supposed to cut in front of Malcolm Butler and run down the field for a touchdown, you know? Maybe maybe it's because they were on the wrong page or something like that, you know? Those things happen, but... Um, yeah, he did throw, to your point, a couple times. He just seemed uh, triple coverage. I saw somebody on Twitter say, yeah, he reminded me of Jim Kelly there throwing it deep down the field in the triple coverage and <laughs> completing a pass to Seth Diggs. I was like, oh. well, yeah, I guess so. He did kind of, even on some of his completions there, you know, throw into some some questionable coverages. But, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly hasn't been hero ball Josh Allen that we've seen in the past. You know, at least when he's making those sorts of throws, he has a pocket. He's his feet set other, in the past he'd throw it in a triple cover and he'd chased out of the pocket and throws it off his back foot and it's just well what are you doing uh, yeah. so it hasn't been as bad and those games I think will happen
1: I, I think another thing we can look at is he really really peppered Diggs with passes 16 targets for Diggs I think he really missed John Brown right and he, I think he kind of locked on the digs, maybe a little too much when they're trying to come back
2: not, not even that. Uh, I mean, that that is true. I mean, Diggs had a ridiculous amount of uh, targets. You know, like you said, he's basically pushing 20 targets in a game, which is wild. a lot. <laughs> it's wild, right? So um, in the first half, actually, he was also doing it. Cole Beasley, I think, finished as the Bills' uh, second number two receiver in the game. Uh, he actually had zero targets in the first half. Zero targets for Cole Beasley, who would – I guess in your depth chart, be your number two. I mean, he's your slot receiver. That's where he's going to line up. He's, he's going to be your number two without John Brown in the game. And he wasn't targeted in the first half. That's just how much the bills were trying to filter things to Stefan Diggs. And I mean, Diggs had good numbers. I think he had 10 catches in the game. Double digit catches was always good. He got, he got his, uh, but you know, the, the the first four games we saw Allen spread the ball out a little bit more and especially early. I think when the game started to, you know, early, get out of the bills, grasp a little bit progressively. Um, and then when you kind of saw them getting back, it was when Beasley right at the beginning of the second half, uh, the bills had that really long drive They ended up not getting points out of it, but they had a really long drive and it was maybe four or five, uh, Four or five catches, I think. I wrote it down in an article somewhere. Four or five catches for, for Beasley, like right out of the gate in the second half. But he had nothing in the first half because they were filtering it so much of digs. And, you know, maybe that was game plan and it just didn't work out or what. But uh, I think it certainly is a good bet to say that John Brown not being there also played a part.
1: oh that hurt that hurt and another interesting thing in this game was that TJ Yeldon he looked like the Bill's best running back that might be an indictment on uh, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary right that TJ Yeldon looked like the best back out there Le'Veon Bell is on the market Nick is this, a, is this a guy that the Bills should look at, or should they say, no, nah, he fell into the Jets' black hole and he's damaged goods?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know. If the, Le'Veon Bell, the thing I've always thought about him is that I thought he would be better with the Jets, um, but then it, what happened with the Jets is they just their offensive line play was just so bad. Le'Veon Bell, when he was an all-pro, what he had... It was the, one of the best offensive lines in the game. The Steelers just continually seem to have at least an average to really good offensive line. And that's why he was able to, you know, uh, dance behind the offensive line, pick his holes. You know, we don't see the bills doing that because their offensive line is average to below average, not average to amazing. So, you know, I, 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 to, to your point, though, again, Ryan, uh, TJ Yeldon, the coveted uh, there Bills Wire Player of the Game the, the, this
1: week, the journeyman, the journeyman, uh, TJ Yeldon.
2: Yeah, yeah, we were like, uh, who do we give it to? Last night we were talking in the, in the you know the, the the team Slack at Bills Wire, and we're like, well, I guess you know he did lead the team, and he certainly at, at minimum will give it to to TJ Yeldon that he he stepped in. Uh, it seemed like I don't know if Singletary was hurt or anything like that. Um, he definitely was on the sideline for quite a bit, so. Could have been maybe a game plan type thing that you know the Bills were trying to get TJ Yeldon involved because uh, you know they, the, the Titans maybe wouldn't see it coming and I guess that did work to an extent. I mean he led the team in rushing yards like you said with 52 and he had a, a really nice touchdown pass from, from Josh Allen as well. So uh, if you would if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year though, Ryan, uh, is TJ Yeldon ever going to get one of your extremely coveted across the NFL, Bill's wire uh, player of the game awards. I would have said you were insane because I did not see that coming, but here we are.
1: Nor did did I. I also didn't see this 42 to 16 blowout loss coming, but, you know, what are you going to do? So good news for the Bills, Nick, is they get to play the underdog card this week coming up. And another weird game, 5 p.m. kickoff on Monday. The NFL really wants a 5 p.m. Monday kickoff. They couldn't get it with the Patriots, Broncos. They had to move that game, but they're going to get it with the Bills and the Chiefs, I think. So uh, Nick and I will look at that game here coming up next. <laughs>
0: It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA
3: Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague, Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on the week six Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers. The Rams minus three and a half favorites on the road, 49ers plus 160 underdogs on the money line. A low over under for this one of 50.5 points. Jeff, how do you feel about this game? Oh, I'm going with the home team in prime time. San Francisco needs this game like blood to keep pace in a tough NFC West. They're obviously very familiar with the Los Angeles Rams. And three in the hook is just too many points for the home dog. You know what? I'm going to fade the team that just lost 43-17 to the Miami Dolphins in week five. Give me those LA Rams coming off a big 30-10 win against the Washington football team. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to Podcast and Podcast. Be sure to rate and review.
1: This is kind of a scary spot for the Bills. You're playing a Chiefs team that's going to be mad. They're coming off that, that loss to the Raiders that I don't think anybody saw coming. I, I actually bet on the Chiefs to cover 10.5 points against those Raiders at Arrowhead Stadium, so that was a surprising one for me. Bills opening as 3.5-point dogs to the Chiefs. What's your leadoff thought on this game? As you're preparing your stuff for the Bills wire this week.
2: Well, I think it was pretty obvious what happened last night, Ryan. We had uh, we had the Bills, Sean McDermott just playing some 4D chess. And he wanted he didn't want his team to go in as you know an undefeated team against, uh, against the against Chiefs who just had their first loss. He needed his guys to be mad too, so that's why they lost. Last he
1: night. wanted a wake-up call. I like well, that. It's good coaching.
2: There you go. There's my spin zone of the night. Um, but uh, yeah, the uh, it's it's certainly going to be. It, it was a game that was you know circled on well, the normal Bill schedule that came out a while ago. Um, that we're not up, not a part of at all. Right. I don't even think they replaced the Thursday night game, did they? I don't think there's Thursday night football then this week.
1: No, there's no but, Thursday uh, yeah, night no, game. There's no Thursday night game. They're just going with the Tuesday night one this week.
2: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um but uh yeah it's it's certainly going to be a game that's uh that is gonna be very interesting because uh you thought before the year, Ryan that it was going to be the stout Bills defense against the Hypeline Chiefs offense and now we have you know, if we ignore last night's bit of a dud, but I mean, even by comparison, the Bills offense played better than the defense last night. So now we have two high-flying offenses going past each other, uh, going against each other. And I think a lot of it is going to ride on certainly the health of some, some guys uh, and the Bills. Um, you know, we, we we already mentioned that we had Tredavious White. Uh, he was out, uh, back injury. I think the Bills really, really missed him a lot. Then on top of that, again, Matt Milano and, and John Brown, I think, the the Bills' best defense this year has been a good offense. And I think we saw how pivotal that John Brown was to the Bills being a good offense. Um, You know, maybe the Bills just game plan bad and it's something to do with COVID. And, you know, this upcoming week has changed because of COVID as well. But, um, you know, uh, the Bills have a couple extra days to now prepare for the uh, Chiefs on Monday night and, a couple extra days to get john brown and trey white healthy and again i think john brown's going to be pivotal to this team uh just, i mean look at look at the chiefs only loss right what did the raiders do they had to keep up with them and score 40 points to win yeah, the game yeah, so 16, I, 16 points is not going to get it done
1: no no i fully expect a game kind of like the rams game with the bills where it's a shootout all the way to the end that's what it's going to be right
2: the bills certainly have to have to get themselves a little bit together here on defense um the defensive line is just really not getting a lot of pressure at all on opposing quarterbacks. I think I saw this morning that the Bills, in terms of, you know, the, I think it's NFL Mexican stats or whatnot, they're the lowest team in terms of pressuring the quarterback so far this year. And the Bills are getting sacks, but it's just not a consistent pass rush. and you know, uh, in the middle of the defensive line, uh, Harrison Phillips seems to be doing a little bit better, um, in terms of doing that Starletoulier role. I mean, Derrick Henry had two touchdowns last night, but he did only average three yards a carry. So against, so against the, 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 the terrible run defense the Bills had, yeah, that's doing a little bit better now. I mean, Derrick Henry didn't rip anything crazy off. Right. I mean, he'd score, but you know, they'd so short fields. Right.
1: Right. Yep. Nope. They held him down pretty well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the Bills uh, along the defensive line, they, they, they got to figure something out. I know one thing that a lot of people will sometimes point to is that the Bills uh, they they run a big rotation along the defensive line. It's like a it's like the uh, trademark of Sean McDermott's defense. Uh, he he wants to get everyone in there, wants to give everyone fresh. Well, the flip of the coin of that is, well, don't you want your first teamers out there a little bit more, right? seriously we'll see what happens yeah we'll see there's any changes to
1: that yeah and you know i think it's going to be paramount to get pressure on mahomes right because that's what the raiders were able to do got him at a rhythm had him running all over the place trying to be superman and he didn't have a lot of success in that chiefs offense didn't have a great rhythm and the chiefs they like to get like get running downhill on you hit a couple big plays and just destroy you and just just crush you with momentum so the Bills got to find a way on defense to do that. Obviously, if they get you know some of their their guys back, that would help. But they got to find a way to just get Mahomes running around. If once he's starting to run around like a crazy man, I like the Bills' chances a little bit better.
2: Yeah, and that was the thing that a lot of folks were talking about uh, against the, the Raiders was uh, they were rushing three four and uh just getting enough pressure on Mahomes to to make him and you know not make perfect throws every single time which he seems to do so uh yeah I guess the Bills really have to figure out this whole uh getting pressure to to the opposing quarterback thing because uh certainly uh certainly not looking great uh, I, I don't know what the Bills can do I'm not paid what Sean McDermott is paid I'm paid a lot less to just you know talk to you and kind
1: of pointed out <laughs> well, well i am my contract's right up there with mcdermott's nick i'm sure as you suspected so yeah, yeah it's, uh, I, it's very, I, I didn't want to put that out very, there. very very lucrative i don't want to share that number with the with the people so all right gonna be really fun <laughs> bills chiefs monday night 5 p.m bill's got to get right after that uh massacre on tuesday night so we'll be looking forward to it nick have a great week my man
2: yeah you too ryan thanks a lot